Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Um, we are very much just like lay back, chill. We, the conversations we have are just basically the same thing. Did you actually figure out how to clap this time? <laughs> so missed. Just one time. Though. <laughs> what, were we, what were we clapping for there? Sink well, it. he's syncing his audio. And oh, so he, when you. he look, he tries to look at himself to make sure he's clapping and he misses his hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most awkward thing when you're like, Ugh. It's like yeah. the two guys that are trying to give high fives. And yeah, and they miss each other. That's exactly what it feels like, but you're doing it with yourself, so it's even worse. <laughs> My youngest son, the one I was just talking about, he yeah. and I will have that awkward moment once in a while, and he'll, I'll, I'll try to be like, he he's coming in for the the high five, and I'm doing the fist bump. <laughs> right? he, he'll 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 just grab my hand. And he goes, "It's all right, Dad. Gear shift." That's right. There you go. There you go. I, that's trade show life anymore, right? Oh, yeah. You just don't even know how to handle it. Just scoot right up on that mic, up as right. close as you can. Can I lock this thing in? I don't know. It might. I've, I've been sliding back and forth, so. Oh yeah, it does lock. There's one button you push and it push it down, it locks. The back one. And it just like flops straight down. It's on the right hand side. I don't guess yours works. No, mine doesn't work. That's all right. We'll make it work. You just gotta remember. We're good. I don't know. I mean, we're we're just as bad as anybody. All right. Introduce yourself, please, sir. Right now? Yeah, sure. Mike Edge. Uh, out of Owensboro, Kentucky. Work with a company called Tread Partners. We also run a podcast called uh, Gain Traction. Very cool. Married with five kids. Got my first grandbaby this year. Man. Yep. David, do you want grandbabies? I want a ton of grandbabies. Really? I want so many. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I'm to the point I've thought about it yet. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It is uh, as special as everybody says it is. It's it's beyond that, actually. Yeah. It was hard for... You know, you hear people say, oh, yeah, it's awesome. You can't believe how much love you're going to have for this new child in your life, et cetera. But yeah. uh, it's better than that. It's harder yeah. to it's hard to put your hands around because you just you don't know what to cons- compare it to. Right. Yeah. Uh, when when my daughter was born, I, I, the very first telephone call I made was to my parents. And I said, I am so sorry. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I just don't, I never realized how much y'all love me. You know, this is different. This is. Dude, that's know? awesome. And and you think about it. You like, you go into this and you think that you know what love is. And and you have these relationships that throughout your life and you're going through this stuff. But boys, when, when that young and cries for the first time, there is something primal in here that yeah. changes about you 
and you love that thing, that little child, more yes. than you could ever imagine loving anything else. And and I, it's like it's like old boy the other day. We we did we recorded with this guy who told his story. I mean, I mean, I think David and I were both sitting over here in horror at hearing this guy's story. He was in, he was in the Chicago newspapers when he was thirteen years old because he'd been abused so terribly and mm. been through just this terrible life. And I'm like, man. And and it wasn't his parents that did that. He had been moved from parent to parent to parent and that kind of deal. But, I mean, I don't see how people that actually had that child could harm that child. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's crazy. Those people are out of their minds, so. Yeah, they're just broken? Sure. They're just, yeah. Yeah, we're, you know, know we're all broken level. to a degree. Yeah. That's what you yeah, got. this is a different level of broken. No, <laughs> this uh, is just. Yeah. No, that's this what is, I mean, though. He's at the highest, one of the highest degrees. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. Yeah. And it's uh, nothing but compassion. You can only have compassion on somebody like that. It's uh, I've seen some bad cases, and uh, I got involved in actually um, because of a friend. And at first, I was really skeptical, but I got involved in jail ministry. Really? Yeah. And uh, man, I tell you right now, I love jailbirds. Really? Oh yeah. Uh, when they hit rock bottom, yeah. And you know they're not on alcohol or or the drugs that you know usually the hole they went down or whatever. Right. Man, they're they're solid people. There's a yeah. lot, and they just some of them just now. Don't get me wrong. There are some rotten scoundrels. Yeah, you know, of that course. You're, that they they're just, never going to change. They ain't going to change. But there yeah. are some that you see, and you see the light in their eye, and you're just like, man, this guy's yeah. got it. He's just stuck in these walls. Yeah. But you know, I remember, um, you know, George that works for me. You probably not met him, but George is here today. And and George, when he got out of prison. It, it was, and 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 prison creates a structure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And it gives them a routine, and it gives them something. This is what I do. Yeah. And I do it this time, and this is how I do it. And it keeps them away from those other people in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. right? Because the people are the problem. Yeah. Right. You are, you become who you're around. You're right. And so you know, George, when he came out, man, he really got on lockdown. He he'd got his health under control. He had got his weight under control, and and he's let things slip. He's been through some hard times since then. But I was telling David the other day, there's a guy in town. His name's Kevin. He owns the most popular barber barber shop in town, and it is lined up four, five weeks, no problem, right, to get an appointment. And just absolutely seven days a week, dude. He typically take off Sunday afternoon. But, I mean, he's open six days a week every single week. Sometimes if he's real busy, he'll come in on Sunday, right? Wow. And the deal is, is as you talk to him, you go in first couple times, he cuts your hair, and you don't really think much about it. Then you start talking to him. Kevin, where'd you learn to cut hair? Prison. Really? And you start digging into that story. Yeah. And you learn that Kevin got in some trouble. And and then when he was in there, they said, hey, we've got some cosmetology and some barber stuff that you can learn and some stuff that you can do. And so Kevin begins to learn, begins to taking steps to making things better in his own life. And he said, I don't ever want to be like this again. I don't wow. ever want to be in this situation again. And and the only people I know at home are in the trade that I know how to do. And so if I go out and I start my own thing and I get out and I don't go back anywhere around those people and I just put my head down and go to work, I'll find I'll find my own way. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be like this anymore. So after I think it was four years in prison, he gets out and he starts a barbershop. And then little by little, he gets more and more popular, and it just takes off. It's unbelievable. Well, and then the other neat thing about him, he seems to have the discipline 
Not that he has to work that way the rest of his life, but he's doing it now to keep himself active. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Occupied, it seems like, probably. Yeah. yeah. To, to, to work extra or keep that extra day on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a big thing for them because they that, that there's a lot of those lifestyles that, that the thought process and the the anxiety, the depression, whatever it is that's constantly rolling up here, mm-hmm. they end up heading back down that pathway mm-hmm. if they're not careful. Yeah. Because, I mean, we get so used to it. And I, I remember I had a business coach one time, and he kept telling me, he said, uh, he said, life is like the ruts in the road that the tractor made. And he said, the longer we drive in those ruts, the deeper they get. And he said, unfortunately, the problem is, is you're going in a big circle. And he said, you can create some new ruts. But those other ruts will always be there. If you ever fall back into those ruts, you've got to actively pull yourself out back out of them. That's a good visual, Lucas. Yeah, it really is. I can picture that. Um, yeah, I've got a I've got a really good friend of mine that can't get out of his rut. Right. You know, grade a grade school went all the way through high school with him and everything, and uh, just one of those situations. And uh, you know, you can't help somebody. They really have to help, want to help themselves. Now, I know yeah. he wants to, but it, it's so been so easy for him to fall back into his ruts. And yeah. all I know to do is be a friend, try not to enable him, you know. Yeah. And um, that's the hard one. Yeah. That's a hard one. I didn't realize there's so many ways of enabling him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's not like you're you're doing bad things with him, but you can enable by just doing some small things where he needs to take care of some certain things on his own. Amen, buddy. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that comes back to that personal responsibility. Yep. Because if you allow them, I shouldn't say them, but if you allow someone to find themselves in a situation like that to where they have to make a choice, it's those repetitive choices yep. that helps get them to where they're making good choices. Right. Yep. And if we constantly bail them out of bad choices, those choices never become painful enough that it's like, ooh. Well, you don't realize it, but you're not being uh, caring or loving. You think you are in the sense that, you know, you instinctively, I just, I just want to help him out of this current circumstance, right? Yeah. But you're not helping him. Yep. He's going to have to feel the pain. 
Yeah. And that's just the reality. And absolutely, uh, I think a lot of times I look back. He didn't. He didn't come from a wealthy family or anything, but uh, just a middle class family. But I think his parents spoiled him in some ways because they never they bailed him out. Let's just yeah. put it blunt. They just bailed him out. He never had to pay too many penalties for certain yeah. errors. 100%. And then you just you stay on that and course. It, just, it unravels, yes. you know, and it gets worse and it gets worse. And then you look up one day and. You're married, then you have a kid, and then he's divorced, and he's back on the streets. And I mean, it's just, and it's just for for our friend group, it's it's a terrible thing to witness. Yeah, just can't help the guy, right? And and like you said, sometimes trying to help, we end up doing more harm than we did in good. Yep, and it's hard to get moving. I, I know it, it sucks to see, and I've seen a lot of people go that route, and that I, I've seen a lot of people who have overcome it. Oh yeah, and and it comes back, and in some ways. I've seen shop owners do it with technicians, right? Yeah. And and the the thing is, what I've learned about addicts, what I've learned about people who live these lifestyles, is this is about an attitude more than it is about a drug. Mm-hmm. This is about a mindset more than it is about alcohol, right? Yeah. This is the way that we perceive the world. This is the way that we think about things. And so if they have that mindset and and the world's against them, and this will make me feel better. I don't want to call it laziness. It's but it does become extremely selfish. <laughs> they yep. get they get they just want one hundred percent self centered. Yep. Everything in life is about how this affects me, how you affect me, yep. how every single thing you say and do is about me. Right? Oh yeah. This guy's this guy to give you an example. I, I'm I'm real good friends with his dad because I see him out in town and the, yeah. the hometown I'm from. And uh, and we don't even talk about it anymore. Right. Uh, it's just it's a downer. But when I've talked to the son, you know, he's kind of complained to me, like, you know, dad's completely cut me off and everything. I said, man, I'm going to be I'm on your dad's side here, bud. I, yeah. I, after there's some terrible things that have happened between the relationship, all instigated by yeah. the son. And the dad's tolerated it to a point where finally he had to just for his own benefit. Yeah. On financial security because he's an older man now. Yeah, and all kinds of things. He just he said, you know, these are the rules in our right. relationship. If you're not going to abide by them, I'm, I'm I can't do anything more for you or with you. Yeah. And and uh, the son told me one time he thought his dad was being cruel, and I said, no, he's not. He's actually yeah. loving you now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've I've got a good friend of mine who has got um, ten years in prison right now. Oh wow. And um, and the thing was is that and and I I feel bad for the dad. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Because the dad was a hard ass. The dad wasn't as caring and loving as yep. he should have been as a father. And I don't want to say the dad's a narcissist, but the dad had some attitude problems, mm-hmm. right? Nice guy, smart guy, love him to death, not say anything bad about him. But but I've witnessed this from the outside looking in, and I've seen how he acted just like his dad did. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the deal was is that dad basically hooked up with this crackhead and she got pregnant and they had a son and she dipped out. Mm. And so dad always resented the mother. Mm. And so dad, every decision he made, everything he said to his son was a direct correlation. That interesting. Of, of how mom was and how he thought about mom and how he felt about mom. Yeah. And so ever since we were kids, man, I've watched this guy just make bad decisions, and he's so funny. He's so charismatic. He has so much potential. Bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. 
Isn't that amazing? And and like man, I remember he. I was in my first high high speed police chase with him. Right. <laughs> went to the his first there, right. Yeah. First, I like that. Went. We drove by the police station. He had this old F one fifty, and he had a a switch on the fuel pump, and he could it because it, the ECM wasn't controlling the fuel pump anymore. So he would reach up, he'd leave the fuel pump switch on, he'd cut the switch off on the truck. And when he cut the switch back on, it'd fire the coal. And when it fired the coal, it'd pop. And so he had the police department thinking he was shooting at him because he'd pop it out the exhaust every time we went by. And he he just thought it was the funniest thing ever, right? (laughs) It's funny because his dad does some of the same stuff, right? Like it's somewhat of this rebellious Uh, thing. And I'll never forget, this boy goes to see his mom, all right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he, he goes out and he sees his mom for the first time since he's been actively building memories. Yeah. Right? She reaches out. She wants to get in contact with him. And he came back. And I'll never forget him walking through the door and saying, I know why I am the way I am now. And I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he said, a lot of the things I've said and done are very much like my mom. Wow. He gets sent to prison and the dad says, you know, he said that. But he said, I've realized now that it was me because I treated him like I was treating his mother. Mm-hmm. I was treating him like I thought his mother should be treated. I was treating him like he acted like his mother. Mm. And he said, I was the one who raised him. This is on me, not on him. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's tough to think back because, I mean, this kid could have done so many things. Yeah. He was a hard worker. He was smart. He he was at it. He was capable of doing anything he put his mind to. Yeah. But he just, man, and it, every single mistake got worse and got worse, and people tried and tried yep. to help him. But each time they helped him, they removed the consequence. And because the consequence never hurt enough, he never found a new path that said, I need to go a different direction. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And so now it's, I think it's a 10-year sentence. That's crazy. And I mean, like, it's not a sentence that can be changed. Yeah. Right, because every sentence he had, the, the judge would come back in. He'd get paroled, or something would happen, and he never ever had to actually serve the time. Uh, yeah, and so now he's in Fed, caught up to him, and and he says, "This is not county jail." What do you mean? Well, I can't make jokes, and they laugh with me here. Oh, uh, yeah, that sucks, doesn't it? He's like, "I'm gonna get my ass kicked here." Uh huh. Yeah, that sucks, man. What do you, you know? Um, Yeah. What do you say to that? Because I mean, it's uh, yeah. He's in a he's in a truly a new lifestyle, and it's stuck, and he's stuck. There's no altering it for the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I I think of all the things I worry about for my kids, because I can't control what they say and do. Yeah, I can't control their actions. I can teach them now that that's bad. It's not okay to act that way. I can show them through my actions what a good human being does. Yep. I can't control it. I can't control the decisions they make. That makes me a little bit nervous. And I like growing up, I was a big pothead. I was involved with meth when I was a kid. That is not the same thing now. Right? Because fentanyl is in everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, that'll that'll kill them easily. Right? Well, I mean, I've yeah. seen like five or six people. I, I, the right across the Tennessee line in Johnson City, they they reported on the news the other night that there had been six overdose deaths in the last day. That's uh that's pretty substantial. Substantial, yes. And and that's everywhere in the country. Hundred thousand deaths. And I mean that from fentanyl overdose. 
in one year. Hundred thousand. As a parent. Yeah. That's terrifying. It is. You know? I tell you, uh, I did. I, my, my kids are older now. Uh, my youngest is 16, but uh, I don't know, somewhere along the way, the Lord hit me in the head and I, I just realized I had to keep them close to God. Mm-hmm. Pray as a family, you know, make them realize there's a greater power yeah. beyond dad and beyond this little world right here so that you can think about things and more with wisdom versus just that instant pleasure. Right. And, um, I, I give I give the credit to my to God for the, for my kids now they they do have a lot of maturity to them and yeah. sometimes I look at them and I go I don't know how you make the decisions you make because I didn't make those decisions you know right. I, I I did a lot of screwing up but yeah they make a lot more mature decisions than right. I did and yeah. I, I'm as a dad I love seeing that if that makes sense for sure yeah hundred percent. Well, I mean, it, well, they don't know all my, my mistakes either. It's not like I, I, I tell right. them, like you know, yeah. Like, well, I mean, here's the thing, though, is I, I think when you see that, you got to, you got to breathe a sigh of relief. Oh yeah, because like, there's one of two ways that it can go. I'm there's a lot of ways it can go. Oh yeah, but there's there's good or bad. And I'm not saying yeah. they're angels by any means. I'm just simply saying there's a, there's a level of maturity I recognize my kids have that I didn't have yeah. at a certain age. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying is yep. that that there's got to be a sigh of relief in there. Oh yeah. That's saying I I feel pretty confident you're going to make good decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm sure you're going to do something stupid. Yeah. yeah. But you know, like the number of trees that I smacked with automobiles, <laughs> and the number of fights that I got in, I I, I feel okay, truly we, bad for mom and dad. Well, I really see, do. that's the thing. I we all right. So we have a little bit similar past. You mentioned those two things right there. My yeah. driving always been made fun of. Bad driving, whatever. I was involved in a lot of accidents. Right. Really had no concept of what insurance costs you know, <laughs> until you get your own kids. Yeah. So my dad died approximately 19 years ago, and I can I, I still look up to heaven. I go, Dad. I, first of all, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right? Amen. And, and second of all, thank you. Because yeah. didn't give up on you know he just he was always yeah. uh, my dad was a fun loving guy but he had he had his discipline lines and stuff but he also knew how to raise. I came from five boys and two girls, so he knew how to raise five sons. And one of the best things I can say about my dad was he never let the little bulls think they could control the house. The big bull was always in charge. Yeah, even you know he and 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 and, and you know that, that now that I've raised my kids, that's the hard part of raising kids is the consistency. Yeah. You get tired, you yeah. know. And uh, and I saw my dad change. I mean, I was uh, at the top of the line, right. and the discipline was harder. But then he got a little more relaxed with my younger brothers. Right. But at the same time, uh, he's still disciplined. It was just different ways. You know, he goes, yeah. uh, I said, Dad, you know, you would have busted our ass if we did that. And he goes, well, you get a little smarter about how to handle things. And, right. and you get tired, you know. Yeah. But, For sure. Uh, you know, there's a balance dealing with your kids or whatnot. But, yeah, talking about, um, yeah, the the driving, uh, how many cars, uh, you know, you, you bang up or something and, and, and then – just, you know, like, so I've got drivers. Well, I worry about my kids out in the road now. So yeah. I can't imagine them getting a phone call. Yeah, yeah, your son Mike's been involved in another accident. <laughs> you know right, right. Then they're thinking, you know, bottom yeah. what's wrong with him or what is he okay or whatever. And it just, yeah, I, I uh, and then the, 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 the fights that you get into or whatever. Oh, but, yeah. You know. Hey, everyone, it's Lucas. I'm sorry to jump in, but I thought it was important to come and say this. 
You know, I'm often asked, why do we always talk about Kim and Brian Walker and shop marketing pros on the show? It's because we genuinely believe in their product. Why do I use them for my own marketing? In fact, they're building me a new website right now. It's not cookie cutter. I kept getting on Facebook and every shop looked the exact same. I didn't want to be that. And it's not just that. It's that they're part of your team. When you hire them to do your marketing, they get to know you. They know what you believe. They know what you say and they know why you do what you do. And they share that with your clients. That's huge. And beyond all of that, probably the most important factor in all of this is they stand behind their work. So don't wait. Go today and get your free marketing analysis from Shop Marketing Pros. They're genuinely our friends and they're genuinely here to help shop owners have a better life. Click on the link in the show notes for your free marketing analysis today. That's right. It's free. doesn't cost you a dime. Just good old friendly fights, but that's still, it. Yeah. The world's a different place, though. I mean, there was a, a a kid that I knew and had hung out with for years, shot and killed right in front of Bojangles in our tiny little town. Oh, gosh. And, and he, it was road rage. And if you knew how many cars that I had walked up to and let somebody know what I thought, and this, he walked up to the driver's side of the car and the guy felt threatened for his life and he pulled a pistol and shot and killed him. Had a, had a, had a three week old baby in the car with him. And so, I mean, it was like bad decision. I grew up in the Northeast. We didn't have guns. That's what's wrong with you. (laughs) I'm I'm just telling you, just, you didn't worry about that. That, that is still prevalent today. You will get people walking up to your window because you didn't use the turn signal long enough or at all. Or I think people are nuts out here. You get shot anywhere else in the country. You're like, what are you talking about? You don't know who's got a gun. You walk up to somebody's window and tap on it like you're about to do something. Yeah. They'll just shoot you. Right. Oh, we don't have that out here. It's like, yeah, well, don't do it anywhere else in the country. I know where you're from. Yeah. And so that, that, you're very similar to here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't walk up to somebody's house late at night without a little caution or their car when they're in it. Yeah, uh, especially an old man. You, you yeah, know, his back <laughs> you will turn into Swiss cheese, mighty quick. Yeah, uh, it's no. There's there's a lot of truth to that, but uh, you know, my dad used to have this little phrase sometimes, and I don't know. Uh, 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 he 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 really never cussed, but once in a while he would say, um, "I can tell you hadn't had you hadn't had your ass whipped in a while." Right. And uh, and what that meant was basically an attitude adjustment. Yeah, you know, and he could see it. He 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 hated arrogant people too, or smartasses. Yeah. And he would always he would he'd say, "I could tell that guy hadn't had ass kicking in a while." Yeah, and that was yep. just the way he looked at things. You know, somebody needs to square him up, and yeah, and, you know, and that's the you, that's why you know you just didn't mess with some of those older men when you were growing yeah. up. Yeah, I'm I'm telling you, and and the thing because that, that's the same way around our hometown. Yeah, is that you knew. And and maybe that's small town America. David's just never experienced small town America, I guess, you know? But but I remember as I grew up, my parents were, were I don't want to say they were prominent in town, but everybody knew them. And so, like, I, I remember a 132-mile-an-hour, 135-mile-an-hour ticket in Walmart parking lot. Oh, God. That got, that got taken care of. I did ask for a copy and they said they were taking me to jail if they gave me a copy, right? Yeah. I remember my cousin who was a police officer saying, do you want me to call your mama or do you want to go home? Oh my I'm gosh. going home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That is right? great. Like, and that, that was, that was the America that I grew oh, up yeah. in. But by gosh, 
you know, I also knew that there were some people I better not mouth off to. Oh yeah, and I you treated them with respect, and that's just what it was. Absolutely. And and you know, I don't want to say that that we should go around being aggressive with people. No, that, that's not the point. It's that it's that when there is a risk associated with your behavior, yes, and there's a consequence for your actions, yes. All of a sudden, it it's a different conversation to have. Yes. When you know, we well, talk, you, you got to so you got a really good instinct for what I'm about to say. My so my dad to me had a perfect balance. Yeah, and what I would call it is he was a protector and a provider, yeah. but a protector in the sense that uh, whoever he was with, if he felt like somebody was being done wrong or you know, let's say put in a bad situation or or whatever. Buddy, he's going to stand up and protect that person. And he had that yep. old school mentality that, well, nobody else is going to do it. I'm going to take care of this guy. Right. And uh, he just, he he wouldn't tolerate, you know, let's say, uh, bad language in front of my mom. Yeah. Dude, if, yep. you, if you if you let loose or something and mom was around the corner, <laughs> or, or yeah. if he hurt somebody else that he didn't yeah. even know. Even my friends laugh about, um, I'll tell you a funny story. The guy I was actually talking to on the phone, childhood friend, but we used to have these big Thanksgiving Day. Um, the it was like the it during college, but you come home and everybody come home our, to our town, and then you know uh, my parents would allow us to have a party before Thanksgiving, the yeah. eve of you know. So everybody's just kind of route up because they're back right. home, you know. Yeah. And uh, we we were having this party one time, and sometime we had a pool table in the basement, so we'd have a pool tournament. Well, my right. dad would get in it, and he was a great pool player. He grew up playing pool. Right. And uh, he loved beating. You know, us young guys just yeah. smacking us around. So anyway, we had these pipes that hung out of the ceiling, but it was a drywall ceiling. So uh, it uh, they they would hang out, but if you pulled on them, you know, it could crack the the right. ceiling a little bit. Yeah. So one of the one of the girls we grew up with brought her cousin home, and huh. she's good looking. And my buddy's like, man, I gotta get over there and talk to this girl. You know, so he's over right. there trying to smooth her and everything, and he's sitting there talking to her. Well, he puts his hand up on this pipe. Now he's grown up like a brother at our house. My dad walks by and he goes, hey, Christopher, he goes, if you don't mind, take your hand off that pipe. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Hitch. He said, oh. anyway, he passed, kept doing it. Well, my dad walks by about three minutes later and that dumb head, he's got his hand back up on that pipe. Just, you know, <laughs> hanging there talking like this. And, and um, my dad goes, Christopher, I thought I told you, man, please take your hand off that pipe. It's going to crack that ceiling. Right. That dumb guy, <laughs> five minutes later, dad's over there playing pool. And he looks up and he sees Chris we're doing this. Oh again. God! I swear, this is where my dad. It, it, sound, yeah. it seemed like the music stopped and everybody stopped. <laughs> oh, it's but silent. he goes full bore. Goes, Christopher, I told you to get your hand off that pipe. I'm not going to tell you again. And he right. treats him just like he would have son. You know, right. three right. times, dude. Yeah. Well, the, you should have seen the the girl that he was talking to. Right. She just walks off like you're, <laughs> you're a loser, right? You know. Well, and, and but he, that was my dad. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he gave him a fair shake, right? Exactly. And well, even my friend talks about it to this day. He goes, "Dude, your dad." He goes, "He was awesome." But man, when he came down, it was right. Uh, it was he was going to be firm. He was going to be, uh, yeah. uh, you know, very, very direct and very, very clear. We're afraid of doing that. Now. Mm-hmm. And and you know, like I said, small town America. Yeah, that's where I grew up, and that's that's how they were. Yep. And you you didn't get many chances to disrespect somebody. Mm-mm. And you didn't disrespect somebody else in the store or somewhere else. And and you know, you see a lot of vagrants now. Mm-hmm. And and in my town, I'm gonna tell you right now, they do not like you you can mouth off, but those folks have not fared well 
in our town for that very reason because they will i mean the old men of our town will not tolerate it and they might be old men but the problem with an old man is he knows he can't whip your ass. He'll just shoot you. <laughs> you know what they, they do. They do things that'll just hurt you. Right. You know, exactly. they, they don't have a lot of stamina, so they know that. You right. Know? And they don't have patience either. No. That that left long ago. Listen, you'll love this story too. I love telling stories about my dad because he was funny. But one time we had the situation that happened at the house. So there's five boys, and my older my brother that's a year behind me and I. We were the two oldest boys, and then mm-hmm. the three youngest. We were home from college or whatever. I don't know how we got them instigated. We got a wrestling match or yeah. something going in the living room well dad you know we didn't know he was in the house right he yells for us and we go back to his room he's sitting in his chair he goes how many times i gotta tell y'all not fighting the house he goes i don't care if you go out in the backyard and beat the hell out of each other right. don't do it in my house right this is my house i don't i don't want you tearing up the house and of course uh james and i my brother behind me i think one of us spoke up and he goes i know it wasn't your fault uh-huh. he goes but i heard i heard both of y'all instigate it yeah and got these boys going and anyway, he said, you three leave. And he tells the three youngest to leave. And then we're standing there. And he goes, looks around. And he gets up on the edge of his chair. And he goes, I'm, I'm going to admit something to y'all that I, I didn't know if I was ready to admit yet. He said, y'all probably whip my ass now. Right. Well, I wasn't even thinking that. I was like, really? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's try it. <laughs> no, I didn't want that of him because I, I, mean, I was still intimidated by, it, I was intimidated by him. But I was thinking, oh, you really think so? I was okay. Right. And then he goes, but I'm going to tell y'all something. If we tango... He said, I'm not going to mess around with you. He goes, I'm going to hit you so hard, you're going to hurt the rest of your life. Right, right. And he goes, now get out of here. So we leave, and my brother looks at me and goes, damn, that's the most intimidating thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I go, what What part? He goes, we're going to win, but we're going to hurt the rest of our life. <laughs> I know, right? It was such a great way to deliver the message, right. you know. Yeah, you're going to remember this yeah. forever. And it was just like, yeah, that, it kept that doubt in your head, you know. Yeah, man. And and I, I don't know. I think that there's something different about society now, and people are afraid to be that way mm-hmm. because they're afraid of the litigious nature of society as a whole. Well, right. what we've done is we we we've pretended like kids have that many rights. Yeah, you know, like uh, parents can't be parents. I yep. mean, you know, we're giving kids big decision making power over anything, and it's just like, no, they're not mature enough. They need somebody yeah. to guide them. And I thank God my dad was that way. I, I I call him like the big boy. He wasn't a big man. He was a stocky guy, but he just he just kept that attitude. No, I'm this my you're my you're in my house. Yeah, you know, we have Absolutely. all the fun we want. And my dad was a fun loving guy. I mean. Uh, I'll give you an example. So this is my brother that's uh, John that's two down from me. He smarted off to my dad one time. And, I mean, it sounded like a smart aleck remark, you know, where yeah. my brother James and I would have been like, we would look at each other like, gosh, dang, we got our heads slapped for right. that one. Right. So James speaks up and he goes, well, Dad, you you bust our ass if we had said that to you. My dad doesn't miss a beat. And he goes, well, some people know how to say something funny and some people don't. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't apologize. Yeah, David. <laughs> So we just looked at each other. And we're like, we can't win, you know. Yeah, there's anyway, nothing we're ever yeah. gonna do. Well, how'd you get into the tire business? Uh, I mean, is it to, is it? I I know it's marketing, right? Yeah, yeah. You do marketing, but yeah. how did you? How did you end up here? So it, it it's kind of a long story, but in the 1990s, I was in industrial sales, and right. then um, got into internet marketing, kind of when Google came into existence. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Google started in 98, but it really didn't kind of start hitting the scene until 2002 where people knew about it for really business reasons because yeah. it was an algorithm. Everybody else was a directory. You had Lycos, AltaVista, Yahoo, and right. all those were directories where people sat around a table like this and said, well, we're going to rank that one. We're going to rank this one. 
and it was a decision by human means before you had the the AI factor involved. And then uh, as it came into being, uh, I worked for a group called Thomas Register. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. who they I are. I do. Okay, I absolutely do. All right, my man. daddy had my daddy had the books. them books. Okay, and had that one eight hundred number you could call. Okay, could find anything yes. in the world. You, hey, they, I think he still got one. They of the were books. the industrial Google in print. Yeah. And Dude, there the, was so much cool stuff in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Did you ever have one? You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, well, man. They were out of New York, though. They, they're a family-owned company, but they controlled the industrial environment's marketing space. Yeah. So if you didn't belong, if you weren't in that book, you didn't exist. Yeah. And they knew it, and they held, they as marketers, they they they, they knew that, hey, your competitor's down the road, the metal stamper, yeah, he's, he's in here, he's got a full-page ad. Well, yeah. now you think you got to buy a full-page ad to keep up, right? And they kept people in that, like, cycle. But then, lo and behold, the Internet came out, and it caught them by surprise because basically for almost 100 years, they were the only directory in yep. the United States. It's the only place uh, it, they were um, they were pumps for forced water, hot oh, yeah. water stuff. You want to find pumps? They were in there. You go to the – and there was a very specific page just for yep. that. You'd pick up the telephone call. And it's the only place in the country you could find the people who made those pumps. Correct. And there was nowhere else to look. So I was representing them in the industrial space. How crazy. Yeah. And then I had a customer say, uh, dude, I see Thomas all over the internet, uh, this Google thing. And he's like, uh, he goes, how do I get ranked up there with them? Yeah. I said, "Uh, I don't know. I'm your Thomas rep. You know, I mean, you know, what I know about that. I'm just, I I mean, the internet was just really just getting started. And he goes, well, you're the closest thing to I know to an internet guy. He said, can you find out? I said, oh, right. All right. So I called my superior up in Indianapolis. You know, I'm out of Kentucky. And he says, well, we got a guy that actually uh, works for Thomas that does it for Thomas. And he's a he's a pretty sharp guy. He's out of Cincinnati. And so I said, all right. He gave me his number. So I called him. I said, look, I don't know you from Adam. You don't know me. I know you represent Thomas over there. And he'd been a senior rep over there, the state of Ohio, for a long time. But he had gotten in this technology at that time. It was just so brand new. Told me about his story, and he was building industrial uh, platforms and websites for you know manufacturers mm-hmm. and uh, and trying to get them found out there and start search directories at that time. And then yeah. now you got this search engine. And uh, I just said, look, I, I got a few people asking about how to get found. Do you want to know who they are, and can I just pass them on to you? Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, sure, appreciate that. So I just said. All right, so I'd go to these existing Thomas clients, pass it on, and one of them happened to be Jasper Engines, Transmissions. Right. And um, in that process, I had uh, been industrial sales, so I told my wife, if this little company out of Cincinnati can impress Jasper, who I always knew had, they were just very due diligent on yeah. who their vendors oh, are. Oh, they they yeah. are they're very strict and yes. very – the, like that is a quality very tight, control from top to bottom, uh, east yeah. to west. I mean, they really tightly yes. ran organization. Yes. I mean, it really is. Yes. I'll give them that. So they've in our tri-state area, they've always had that kind of mystique as a super prestigious, just known company. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I I so let me back up just real quick. So I, I told these uh, two clients, uh, one of which uh, signed up with this group out of Cincinnati that I work for. And I, I, at the time, I didn't, and uh, he he wanted to try it out, so he did. Well, in the process, I could see things going well, and then uh, I'd mentioned this group's name to uh, Jasper Engines, and Jasper at the time was just kind of like, oh, why would we deal with a little bitty marketing company out of Cincinnati when our entire marketing division is bigger than them? I mean, we, we yeah. know what we're doing. You know, this is right. our business. Well, I gave him a few things. I said, well, well, 
I can't find you under the word remanufactured engines, and that's what you guys do, and you're basically one of the big players. Yeah. I can't find you for remanufactured, uh, uh, rebuilt transmissions or anything like that. And he said, well, you make a good point there. And we had this little discussion. He said, all right, I'd be interested in talking to him. So they come in. They give a spill. They impress Jasper. They do a contract. At first, they signed something up, like do a kind of an audit. They liked it so much, they said, all right, we're going to do a contract. Well, I remember telling my wife in that process, I said, if this dude over in Cincinnati can impress Jasper, I don't know what he's doing, but I'm, I know that it's the future. Mm-hmm. But if I know if he can impress Jasper, they'll put him through the, you know, the test. Yeah. They'll scrutinize him for me to validate it. Exactly. And then exactly. I said, I'm going to go back to him and ask him if he wants somebody to rep him over here. So I ended up repping Thomas and him simultaneously because we were independent contractors when we sold for each other, right. Thomas. So then the fast forward a year, uh, there's a uh, one of the clients said, hey, man, I come back in for the Thomas renewal. I'm laying it all out. This is where you're at right now. What do you want to do this year? He said, well, I've got good news and bad news for you. I said, what's that? He said, bad news is I don't want to renew my Thomas. I said, what? Right. And he goes, but good news is I want to renew this other thing. And I was like, whoa. I said, the only other, the other reason, the reason you got the other thing was because you were in Thomas. I, I wasn't trying to compete. He goes, I know where you're coming from, but you got to understand my data. He said, I'm getting five to one yeah. over here yep. by myself being ranked by these guys in Google than I am through Thomas. So it just, you know, just validated it even more. And I said, I told my wife, I said, I can't have this conflict of interest because I said, not that it really is. It's a compliment. But at the same time, when a guy has one budget, it is a, he's got to make a yeah. decision. This is the future. So that's where I went. And then we did such a good job for Tom or Jasper Engines that uh, it led me to a group out of Lexington, Kentucky, uh, called SNS Tire. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. I'm not. Uh, they're down here in the southeast somewhat, and then uh, they ended up signing up, and I ended up being their main internet guy, and I would just travel the country, uh, and just you know give give lectures on why and what you need to do to be online. Right. Well, of course, I, di- I didn't even do it in a sales way. It was just educational. Yeah. But they also knew I'd get leads out of it. So as soon as I'd come off that stage or whatever and I'd be going to get coffee, here come five tire dealers. Hey, can you come see me? Yeah, you know? exactly. And then yeah. I'd pick up business that way. Uh, but it was uh, I was in a split atmosphere. I was still doing manufacturing and tire and automotive. And then I uh, ended up, my boss, um, he hit 60. You could tell he was slowing down, yeah. whatever. And... Uh, and then we were in the tire business quite a bit. And then um, as he slowed down, I could tell we weren't going to be hitting the gas pedal like we had been. And I kind of got burnt out. So I stepped away for a little bit. Then I got a call about three years ago, introduced me to Tread Partners. And I guess, like they say, the rest is history. But they brought me back into the business. And, and now all I do is my favorite segment, which is tires and automotive repair. So right. we just help. And and then we, we specialize with just uh, – multi-store operations so you got to have usually there's exceptions to every rule but usually we our baseline is five stores or more right because those guys don't know it but they have one brand yet they have really five different operations right sense yeah of course because you know they may have they may acquired a store over here it was known for the mechanic that's inside there and 80 percent of their revenue is service right then over here they got a store that's doing 80 percent entire so yeah, how I, do you market those under one umbrella when you're you, you're you know you're you're you, basically you got one brand but you got two completely different operations? Right. How do you do that? Well, and and you know uh, we've talked a lot about that 
even on our show, talking about the fact that it is a completely different animal once you get to that point. Yeah. Right? And and we've both talked about, like, David does have two stories. It's a little bit different concept. But I've been back and forth and said, I don't know that I want multiple stores. Yeah. Because, like, that's a lot to manage. That's a lot to do. Now, where does Neil play into all that? So, Neil is co-founder and co-owner of Tread Partners. And uh, he used to own stores, yeah. you know, with Mike. And uh, yep. and then, uh, but he, he, when he got bought out, he said, I knew I still liked the space and yep. I liked uh, automotive, but I really liked the marketing side. I had figured out some things there that I really liked. So, he he went in and, and became partners with another guy that was from an automotive background. And they, they were acting as general practitioners at first, but even half their business was automotive. Yeah. Then one day they looked up a few couple years ago and they said, look, let's just be 100% automotive. We know that's our space. We know it. We love it. We understand it. It's like our comfort zone. Every phone call is easy for us in the sense of being able to relate with people yeah. versus when you deal with, say, 50 different manufacturers, man, it's like a it's like a stress factor because you're trying to, dang, what do they make and how do they make it? And I got to yeah. you know, keep it, up with it. And yeah. keep up with it. And then you got to, every call is different, you know, whereas now every call is Literally, it's not the same, but it's the same topic. So yeah. you, you just, it's a sweet spot. Well, you know, so I was telling David when we went into town and, and I'm, I'm not in that space, so I can brag on him, right? A while back, Neil was added to the ASTA board, mm-hmm. which I'm on. And I was a little skeptical because Mike was like, this dude really knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you hear people say like, oh, yeah, these people know their yeah. stuff. You know what I'm saying? Dude, he came onto that board. And A, the tact with which he handles things Yips. is extremely unique. Yes. And he is so well-spoken. And yes. he is like so able to navigate very complex situations and make people feel like, yes, hey, everything's okay, but... Let me talk to you about this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very, very skilled communicator, like next level communicator. So let me add to that. When when I was introduced to him, the guy that called me, called me out of blue, and he said, hey, would you ever consider getting back in the industry, but strictly in tire and automotive? Because I know you love that side of it the most. And I yeah. said, you know, I never thought about it before. Because, I mean, I'm just doing my thing, right? right? And I'm raising my family. And he goes, well, think about it. And I'm like, well, the problem would be is – who is the company and are they really good at what they do? Cause I know everybody can show case studies and everybody can say they do this. Yeah. And you know, I'm just like a customer. How do I know you know what you're going to do? Even yeah. though I've been in the business, the only way I can see it is I got to see you in action. Yeah. And usually that's through a process, you know, it's, I've got to, I've got to go through a process with you. Yeah. And he goes, trust me, Neil knows his stuff. It's his background, et cetera. So, but then when I met Neil, I had the same impression you did. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this guy, He's, he, he's different. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. And so he comes onto the board, and somehow we get onto marketing. Yeah. And I'm like, holy cow, this dude. Like, we listen, we listen to a lot of marketing presentations, and we hear a lot of people talk about marketing. Boys, when Neil starts dropping truth on you. Yeah. And, and you know, we've got great friends who are doing great work in the marketing space, amazing, amazing things. But when it comes to MSO, and it comes to these stores specifically in the tire space. Oh, yeah. And and it's almost like not only does he understand the consumer, and in his head he can think what they're thinking, but he understands the multi-shop owner perspective. Mm-hmm. And so he's thinking through what it is they're thinking. Yes. And so I've watched him sit down 
and develop strategies, even just for this association. And he'll he'll listen. And this is what's so neat about him because he will sit and he will listen to what someone's saying and he will not say a word. Yeah. He'll just be sitting there listening. And then all of a sudden he opens his mouth and starts pouring out knowledge and there's no way to refute it. Well, what he does really well is he'll ask you questions that cause you to think, oh, maybe I don't know what I thought was right. Exactly. But it's just a question. Yeah. And and by the time you get done. Yeah. And and when he, so uh, that is the exact scenario I witnessed because he's asking questions. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, once he's asked you enough questions for you to realize that you are a fool and you have no clue what you're talking yes. about, then he lays the truth out for you in such a way you're like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Right. Yeah. Exactly. He uh, he He's another another cool thing about Neil is that, well, and, and his partner, Dave, too, but we, you know, when we represent our company out there, it's not, I don't know how to describe it. We don't want to sell you. I don't want to have to sell you. I want to educate you. Right. And I want you to understand where we're coming from. And then hopefully what you see is I want these guys as a partner. That's why we got the name in there, Tread yeah. Partners. Right. And and we want you to look at us as a partner long term and, and we're going to truly genuinely make your business better. Yeah. Because I mean, we're not in it to, for a transaction. Yeah. We're literally in it to to help you win in your space online. Right. And um and there's look there's a lot of things that we're not good at, and we know yeah. that, but it's, it comes with a little maturity. And that's another thing I like about Neil is he's willing to admit what he doesn't know, but he knows where to get you a resource to help you with that yeah. problem. Yeah. You know, and he'll bring that in. He'll say, look, I don't, I don't, we don't do that in-house, but yeah. I've got somebody you need to talk to. Yeah. And that's where uh, people really respect Neil because he, he doesn't try to be all things to all people. He says, look, this is our wheelhouse. But our other wheelhouse is recognizing that you need this, and we'll 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 get you in touch with these people. Right. So what what is it exactly that you guys specialize in as far as marketing? When you go, you know, you, you're looking at a tire store. Yeah, they got multiple shops. Yep. Right now, they're probably going fifty different directions with marketing. They've got somebody doing SEO. They've got somebody doing all of these little oh, yeah. pieces here, there, everywhere, and they're they're targeting a blanket audience. Yeah. Okay. So. I'll give you an example. There's a tire store in my town, and they're basically putting ads out on Facebook that says, we sell tires. And it's got a picture of a tire. It's got a link you can click to their website. No prices on the tires. It just shows you these are the tires we sell, these brands, and you can look at the different models of tires. And that's the extent of the marketing that they do. Now, they're a one-shop operation, and they stay extremely busy. They stay lined up out the door. What's different about what you do with your shops? Because hearing Neil talk about it, it seems like a very specialized process. It does not seem like what David and I do to market our shops. There's like true intelligence. And and I'm not saying we're not using intelligence to market our shops. I'm saying that there's true intelligence built around the MSO, the exact client that that shop in that area with that team yeah. is looking for here's the challenge that people have with msos so they usually have one bucket of their budget mm-hmm. and let's say that bucket's going to be used for seo and, and pay-per-click or google adwords right well they 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 throw that they throw all five stores or let's say 10 stores in into that bucket and and then when that bucket's evaporated for that month they're no longer on google spending for those sponsored ad links yeah okay 
what happens is it, it could only be one or two stores taking that bucket from yeah. that bucket, but they don't know that because they don't granularize it. Right. And, and, and it's amazing. We've run into organizations that have 30 plus operations and right. it's all still one big bucket. And so what we do is we break it up into looking at the individual market and the zip codes that you should be buying ads in. Some of them you don't want to be buying ads in. But, right. So, and then sometimes we get a hold of these accounts and we've seen people be buying ads that are 50, 100 miles away from their home. Right. You ain't ever going to get that client. Yeah. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. And, and, and so what, what you, but they don't, they didn't know that. They didn't have geographic parameters in place for that one location or all their locations, or they didn't break it up granular where they had, you know, we may have individual buckets for each location, but we'll have individual buckets for each, uh, product service. So that way, one product service isn't going to steal from the next one. Then when you look at the data, you go, oh, you know, we got leftover bucket money over in this one. He's never going to use that, so we can put his money over here. So now we're managing that that a client's budget inside a sweet spot where they don't get hurt. We're not saying, oh, you got to spend more money because you ran out. We're saying, no, you need to shift money. You're not in a bad spot. You're just right. not using it right. right. And so well, I think our expertise comes down to uh, cost per acquisition. Because the the least expensive way to acquire a new customer is actually online. Yeah. But if you've had a bad experience that way, you think, oh, no, I think my, my postcards are still the best route. Or I think, uh, you know, sponsoring that uh, all those high school teams in my area are, are the best route or, or whatever. But the, the least expensive, most productive way and efficient way is still online. Yeah. And it's it's all about management of that that money and how you break it up. So you can discern, you know, what you're going. For instance, that, that we talked about earlier, you had that one store doing eighty percent service, and you got the other store doing eighty percent tire. Right. Well, you got a completely different. They can't draw from the same bucket. Yeah, of money, you got to break right. them up completely because he's going after a different market over here, yeah. and you can still go after tires. I mean, you're not trying to give up on tires. Right. You just don't want to lose ground on the service side that you've already gained. Right. So exactly. You, you know. So let's figure out a way that you're still managing that right but you're not you know robbing from paul to pay peter yeah what does that help of course what okay. do you think about that when you hear that well, sounds smart what are you doing that are you I have, you have one individual location. <laughs> no i know you have one location but are you thinking about it in that drilled down way i think you have to with a small budget and a small shop you don't have a choice i i, I had a shop owner super smart guy got really upset because I disagreed with him on using billboards. And I'm like, what What kind of messaging you, like, you're one one shop, one location, and, it's, and, and you are trying to narrow this thing down, like you're saying, to a very tight area, and you're going to throw a billboard up with your phone number on it? How, how many of those people in that small area yeah. that you need to pull from are actually driving by and looking at that? So you're blasting this message out to a million people and you should be targeting 10,000. Right. So why waste the money? And you pay, you have to pay for the million people. Yeah. You're paying for the yeah. million people because Lamar advertising is not going to give it to you yeah. at a discount. No, no, not right. at all. And so it's, yeah, I mean, you just, you have to be very, very so focused. I use, that's interesting. You brought up billboard. I used to do this. And when I give these seminars um, about being in, I call it your being in your online space or your information space. So you need to dominate your information space and quit thinking of the internet as one big ocean. You're only in a harbor. So you want to dominate that harbor, the harbor you exist in. And so like if you think about it like the superhighways, for instance, 
the internet, you know, uh, for instance, we, you, you bring up billboards. McDonald's and Cracker Barrel do great putting up billboards on the interstates because they know drivers are going down that interstate and they know they're going to be hungry and they got a couple exits coming up before, you know, you get to them and that billboard's sitting there and it reminds them you're hungry and we got your food up here at the next five miles. So that person's thinking, oh, I got to go to the bathroom anyway or I got to get gas. So I might as well yeah. get something to eat. That's smart advertising. But for the the guy that has the auto repair shop or tire shop, well, every car every car that passes by there, yeah, they could potentially be hungry, right? You eat yeah. every day. But you don't need auto repair every day. Yeah. So it's poor advertising because you're paying for the traffic. Lamar's selling it off traffic right. or any of those advertising yeah. billboard companies. But what you're doing with the internet is you're only paying, if you do it right, you're only paying for the information space that you want to belong in to the audience that you want to belong to. So I'll give you another example. We've used upwards of 4,000 negative keywords in Google before for wow. one account. Do you know what a negative keyword oh, yeah. is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So if you're not, if, if you were a general practitioner, which I came from in marketing, how would you know to put that many in for the tire business? No. So that you don't get the wrong inquiries and you get more narrowly focused because how many people say they sell tires? Well, if you say you sell tires, guess what? You're going to end up getting the motorcycle tire yeah. person, but you don't want that guy. Right. It's just a waste of time on your phone and you wasted that pay-per-click. Yeah. So money away. you've got to figure out the angles that you're trying to take inside the tire business. And I think when, when, when we know that we're coming into an account and they've had a general practitioner, we already know we have a leg up because we know the tire business and the auto repair business. Right now, they may have one client in auto repair and tire, but we have tons of rooftops that you know and yeah. multi locations. And if we know that they've only dealt with one, they have in their you know let's say they have it on their website, our clientele or portfolio, and they've got one client. Yeah, we already know that we we got a distinct advantage. It's just a given them a, give us an opportunity to tell you what we might be able to do for you. And, I, and again, I don't want to sell you because if I got to sell you, then you're not seeing it. Right. You got to understand right. it because it's going to be a long-term relationship. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Are you focusing in on mostly Google and then adding Facebook as a kicker or as a reminder that we're, hey, yes. we're here. So you're targeting the I need it right now on Google and then yes. brand awareness on Facebook? Correct. We do all the ad. We, we, we do the ad buying on, on all the social media. We don't do the organic posting or anything like that because yeah. it's just we tell them you, you're better off just doing it in-house. But the the ad the, the ad buying we do and that's meant to support what you're doing out there on Google. But you got to remember our sale in the tire and the auto repair space. Nobody's a happy about it, right? I mean, it and it's different than wheels because when you buy wheels, you're kind of excited. Yeah, you're shopping. you want these nice new wheels. Right. Yeah. But in our space, it's not a happy it's not a happy purchase. So they're usually looking for you know a fix to a problem. So yeah. it's not a happy problem. So. Uh, the the social media supports or the the social media ads support that recognition. Oh, I saw them out on Google and I just came here and I still have that problem. That kind of reinforces that brand or the service they're offering or whatever. But when they go to Google and they type that query in, that is a clear intention of what their problem is today. Yeah. Check engine light. Yeah. Who can help me basically or yeah. alignment problem. I need or, help and I need whatever. help now. Or I need new tires or whatever it may be. But they're usually sourcing uh, because they're going to buy relatively quickly versus, say, if you're a golfer and you're looking up 
you know, a golf bag or new clubs, you don't need to buy today. You're just shopping. Yeah. You know, but if you're usually looking up a problem, you're, yeah, you're close to buying today. That's a, that's a really interesting point is, is that I don't think many of us small single shops, you know, because we, I don't want to say transactional. That's not what I'm getting at, but you know, we, we talk all the sales funnel. There, it's a sales funnel. No, I, where, I, where are you targeting that person along that sales funnel? I, I guess my point though is that we hear so many of these single shop owners say, "I'm out two weeks, I'm out three weeks, I'm out a month." You know, and and one of the things that that ain't we, no one waiting a month. That's why I tell them all immediately: ain't no one waiting a month to get their water pump fixed. What yeah. are you doing? Well, that guy that I, that it, it popped up in that class was well. I'm I'm out a month, and my clients are waiting for me. No, no, they're not. no, no. I, I don't. There's just no data to suggest that's the case. No, they're they're not. I mean, we they're we delusional run a, is what they are. <laughs> well, we run an engagement reengagement program. So this is after acquisition stuff, but we run a reengagement program where we go after a shop's best loss customers. Yeah. So we look at their ARO. See what what that spend is, how many times they have been there, and when was their last visit. If it's six months to 24 months, then we want to go back after them. And we use a tool called AP target, uh, IP targeting. It's not, the, uh, it's not programmatic advertising where you're following somebody. It's literally getting their, ad- their IP address, understanding where they are exactly, and then sending them a direct ad saying, we miss you, or here's a $50 you know, discount unlimited yeah. on, on whatever you do coming back. Because we already know what their ARO is. Yeah. We, 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 we're content with that. But the That's results really that smart. we've got. That's the, really smart. It is. Well, the results that we've gotten off of it. Yeah. It, we guarantee it 10 to 1. Yeah. There's nobody. I've, I've been in this marketing space forever. I've never seen anybody guarantee anything. And so I told Neil one time, I said, well, how, how can we promote this to new people? Because I get how we can do it. People in our stable already. We're just, hey, you need to do this. And here's what's going to happen. Well, it, 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 by law, I don't know who what politician came up with it, but they say you got to have at least 500 targets so that it's not individualizing and targeting. Right. So as long as we got 500 best loss customers, we go after them, we target them, we got a strategy about it. But within a hundred, we'd run the program for 90 days, but we measure it for 120 because there's okay. a spillover. We're saying within that 500 or the, those 500 customers out of out of that spend that you do you're going to receive a 10 to 1 return on investment Holy within cow. 120 days. That, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Oh, it blows Those my are... mind. But Neil Neil said one day when we did it, he goes, I think I'm going to have to put a guarantee on this. I said, well, what are you comfortable with? And I said, first of all, why would you do that? And he said, well, because I was a shop owner, and I'm not going to listen to you if you came in and told me something about this, because yeah. first of all, I ain't going to believe you. He yeah. goes, but if you're guaranteeing it, you've got my attention, because yeah. I'm too busy dealing with other stuff. But if you can yeah. inject into my arm right then like a – it's like a getting a shot in the arm, steroid to your business, yeah. cash coming back. These people already exist in my POS. Well, hell, why wouldn't I go back after them right now? And they're guaranteeing my money. Yeah. You know? And so, what? and then the reason I asked Neil, I said, well, why would you do a 10 to 1? He said, well, I've been running this thing for at least two years before you came in. And he said, and I've never gotten less than 10 to 1. And I said, what are you, some kind of idiot? I said, this is a product. <laughs> right. This is its own package. He goes, well, I just never looked at it that way because we were always focused on acquisition. That's what people yeah. – but he goes, I always thought it was a, a, it would be a tougher sell by itself. So anyway, we've stripped it out, and we call it retread. And it's just kind of a little play on words, but uh, we go back after your best lost customers, 
And uh, it's one of the coolest things. And Neil and I sit there and, and we're, we're in awe when we watch it work because we're like, well, it worked this time. It's never failed before, you know. And Neil goes, you maybe one day we get our hand cut in a cookie jar and we got to pay it out. But typically, if if it's like Neil said, he goes, if I had to pay it out, I'd just say, look, let me run the program another two weeks for free because you're going to get your money back, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, bottom line is we, we've run it where they – so the minimum spend on it, if you run 500 – if you run 500 names, it costs you 3750 bucks. That ain't bad For 90 all. days. That's the total cost. It's cheap. Right. And we're saying within that 120 days, you're going to see $37,500 back Shoot from, from, yeah. from that list that you can match back real easy. So when you know you think about marketing, people – I had this one lady one time. It was kind of funny. She goes, uh, well, what's the redemption rate on the discount that you send out? I said, ma'am, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, I said you don't matter. even you don't even care about the redemption rate. I'm going to show you the match back of the cash back in your drawer. Yeah. Right. Of course, her boss goes, uh, "Yeah, that's the only thing the dealer cares about." Right? <laughs> you yeah. know, they don't yeah. what they don't care about the redemption rate on the coupon. The irony is, and we think it's something to do with the subliminal effect of the the marketing you're giving them because they're seeing these ads. But yeah. remember, it's a it's an ad to a brand they're already familiar with and they've yeah. already spent money with. So the, yeah. both entities know each other. The person, yeah. And and all you're doing is reminding them. Well, back to your point about you know, would people wait on a you know a water pump or something? No, they're not going to wait. They're going to go find somebody else. But the problem is, they may have a good experience over there. And guess where they go the next yeah, time they exactly oil change right. or something? Yeah. It doesn't mean you did something bad, but you need to remind them why they need to come back. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's a it's a very targeted way because this little device right here is always in their hands. Yeah. And they're getting an ad on that. They don't know they're getting the ad. They may right. even see the discount, and they dis they don't know it's personalized to yeah. them. They just see, oh, I'll get $50 off next time. But they don't even clip it. They just remember it's, uh, you know, Joe's Tire Shop. Yeah. And yeah. then they look at it, and they just go, oh. And then they see it tomorrow, and they see it the next day. And they're like, yeah, I do need new tires. I'm going back to Joe's. <laughs> you know? right. And they don't even know why. Yeah. They, but they, they forgot about the coupon. So the irony yeah. is we laugh about it, but we're like, it's the first time you're actually che cheering for the fact that you're not getting redemptions. Right. You're, they're just coming back. Yeah. And 100%. It, yeah, so it's a really cool program. And, I, you know, I've seen that a lot, even just in mailers that we've done recently, is they don't use the coupon. They just come back and yes. say, hey, I got a mailer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it, this, this is an even better list. That's always the existing customer list, especially less than 24 months old. And you start sending them something. That's that's why. Well, we also so well. qualify it too by what was their average ARO. We yeah. we don't want just the people that came for us to us for oil changes or state inspection so, or yes. Uh, yeah. So we we look at it and go, well, their average span was seventy bucks. Eh. He's when yeah. we he, here's the the only the only thing I've found that that would keep me from not from from targeting absolutely everybody is that my second visit is six times higher than the initial mm -hmm. visit. So if they were just a one-timer and they spent a hundred bucks with me, all of my effort is going to be into getting them in a second time because I know they're going to end up spending me six, 600 on the second visit. Yeah. And then on the third visit, it can get up to $2,400. And so over those three visits ends up being a pretty good ARO. Yeah. If you just go off that one visit, you might look at it and go, well, I'm just going to go ahead and ignore them when it might be, something that you just need oh, to get them I, a second I, And time. I don't argue with that, but where, where we're coming from is if we're going to guarantee it by 10 to 1 margin, oh, well, yeah, we want to know your best lost customer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, we, yeah. and usually he drifted away because he couldn't get in the bay for one day or something happened, yeah. Yeah. and then and then his, he's just distracted. He had a good experience somewhere else. We're just saying, hey, throwing that little lob out there to get him yeah. back and remind him 
hey, you, you still have a relationship over here. You know, you've been here right. six times in the last three years. Let's, you know, and it, it, it's fascinating how it works. But we think it's because, uh, you know, I, I never watched the TV series, but I remember what it was about. It was the Netflix uh, Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, Did yeah. you watch it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't watch it, but I remember hearing about the Good that. show. Good but, show. They knew they ruled the world in regards to messaging because the TV at that time only had three channels. Yeah. yeah. So when you put a TV commercial out there, it had a profound effect on on yeah. the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, the audience is dispersed today, right, in so many different directions, but not anymore through this phone right here. It's turned around and come it's right. Turn around and come right back through this one device. I'm saying. Yeah. And if we know that we're, we know the percentages of people going online every day for just information in Google. Well, why shouldn't they see your ad? Yeah, yeah, and yep. it be directed to an audience that you already qualified to. That's right. Already so, have a relationship with. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Oh, good. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player, and don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.